Hey, welcome on to Mox with F.P. Wellman. I am Fred Wellman, the host of the show. This week's show comes on a wave of crazy news. My God, Trump's battling a court to avoid, well, any accountability for what he does. Ohio voters told the GOP to get in Lake Erie. Ron DeSantis is flexing his authoritarian muscles once again just to try and save his pathetically dying presidential campaign. You know, it's just been one thing after another. And I've got an incredible guest to discuss all of this and much more. So let's not waste any of our time. Let's get right to it. Right, right. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. There's a little brief musical pause there. I'm still Fred Wellman, even after the music. And uh, this is On Democracy with me, F.P. Wellman. There are a few people, there's a few people on the internet that I rely on all the time to keep me focused and informed of what's going on in the dark reaches of the right, the news world, all the MAGA industrial complex, if you will. And one of those, of course, is Aaron Rupar. And Aaron, it just turns out, you know, he gets us the moments we need to see, but also the analysis we need to know. So I'm thrilled to have Aaron join the show. Aaron's a journalist immersing himself in the madness of the far right every day broadcasting the lunacy for your all to see former politics and policy editor at vox associate editor of think progress now you host your own podcast the aptly named aaron rupar show <laughs> and your fast growing Substack public notice which i'm a paid subscriber to aaron i have you know <laughs> it's good to be. welcome to the show man i'm glad to see you yeah thanks for having me my this pleasure great. this is great we've been hanging out on twitters for so long you know the thing yeah, i love with this forever. show so if you haven't caught the show before one of my jokes i've been making since well nobody watched us before right matt but people actually watch the show now <laughs> was that i really just do the show to talk to cool people and so <laughs> that's why you know i was like oh yeah i got an excuse to talk to them you know but now people watch it's really cool so welcome Welcome to Maya's Touch Network. Welcome to have you. Uh, I guess we start off because we're, you know, it's it's been an interesting week just politically, right? The Ohio results came out. Um, yeah. The crazy situation, right? Where they tried to they tried to jam in an August election and 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 frame it. But you know, I think you know, did you see some of the crazy stuff they were trying to spin to stop things? If, and for those who don't know, I guess we'll start there. Is that Ohio yeah. just had issue one special election, basically trying to make it nearly impossible to put something on their uh, on their ballot initiative. Initiative and uh, and it failed miserably. I mean, what's your, what's your thoughts on this? You just see that you you watch that campaign unfold, right? Yeah. Well, you know, I think it shows that um, every single time Republicans put abortion on the ballot in one form or another, you know, they're losing. And, right. um, you know, even, I even said just before we, we hopped on this call that, uh, Ann Coulter is kind of the voice of reason out there saying, you know, they'll figure this <laughs> out maybe before there's, you know, before every single elected Republican loses, but, um, it's just a losing issue for them. And, you know, I, I'm kind of, um, one thing I thought that was interesting along these lines is I watched uh, Trump's speech yesterday in New Hampshire and there was a whole lot of crazy in that. I mean, it reminded me a lot Man. actually of his like 2016 speeches with, uh, calling Christie a fat pig and calling Gillum a crackhead and, um, you know, all of this like really kind of crude and low stuff. But um, he, you know, he got to the part of the speech and this is kind of a part of his normal speeches now about abortion. And he kind of prefaced what he said by saying, this is a big problem for Republicans and here's how you need to talk about it. And, you know, kind of coaching his audience almost to talk about it in terms of like, this gives pro-life people a chance to negotiate, you know, kind of walking back from some of the more incendiary or like trying to restrict rights rhetoric that, you know, certain Republicans use around this issue. Yeah. So even he seems to understand that this is really a big political liability. But, um, you know, Ohio, uh, DeWine, the governor there won by like 20 points recently. Yeah. And, you know, this ballot measure went down by about 20 points. And yep. so it, it shows that to the extent that, you know, Democrats can make 24, um, you know, especially in 24, can make this next election cycle about reproductive rights. It really seems to be a winning issue for them and a losing issue for Republicans. And, um, you know, even more so, I think, given that this was an August kind of off cycle. I mean, I, I you know, maybe in some ways that makes drawing conclusions kind of more difficult because I'm, I'm not yeah. quite sure if the right interpretation is that that more energizes the pro, you know, the pro-choice people, or if that energized the, you know, the anti-choice people, I'm not quite sure on that, but, um, the fact that it went down so resoundingly, I think is very significant. And then, you know, another thing I'll just note on this is that the Ohio secretary of state was on Fox and friends this morning ah. he, and he, you know, he was one of the architects of this issue one, as it's called in Ohio. Yeah. And he was very defiant kind of saying like, you know, we've lost this battle, but the war is just starting and we'll be back. And so, you know, as, <sighs> as we sit here and talk about some of the lessons from this and talk about how this is a really bad issue for Republicans, it seems like they can't help themselves, you know, that right. they just are going to keep going back to this. Well, and so I guess Democrats should feel good about that because now we have, you know, the 2022 cycle, we've had a number of special elections. Now this referendum in Ohio, 
the evidence just keeps mounting that this is a really bad issue for Republicans. Yeah. And, and the thing is, they're, they're going to learn a lesson, too, that we're, we're really good at nationalizing these races now. Right. This became, you know, I was involved in it. You know, I went through Blue Ohio, my partner, one of my partner organizations I work with, you know, and, and people are focusing. It's just they keep stepping on this rake. And, and it was funny seeing them last night on the, the, the uh, one of the, the, the president of the Senate, I think, was on TV last night saying, well, you know, we just didn't have time to get ready. <laughs> Everybody's like, dude, it was your idea. I mean, literally, I mean, what the hell are you talking about? You, the whole thing was your idea. They yeah. literally passed a law last year saying August special elections should be outlawed. They ignored that and ran an August special election because they're terrified of the issue coming up because they want to stop the abortion issue coming on the ballot in November. So, yeah, yeah. there's going to get a second. They're going to get a second drink for this. Well, uh, in November, but clearly the anti forces are mobile and i saw it last night i was on a call uh, we had a we had a group call for blue ohio which is my partner david pepper who's a former guest of the show and, and and runs blue ohio and man nancy pelosi showed up gavin newsom showed up jamie harrison showed up i mean this is an issue and when you've got a state where biden lost by eight points three years ago and now this issue loses by 14 three years later yeah. i mean and they you're right they just don't get it i mean and it gets to it, it gets to this fact they just don't seem to listen and 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 that that transitions nicely into the fact. Like, let's go back to what you said. You know, segue back to what you said about Trump's derangement. I mean, it just feels like they're so they're all they've all hitched their ride to this guy, right? They're no matter. You know, I mean, literally, what Marjorie Taylor Greene yesterday said, "Oh, if he's in jail, I'm voting for him." Right? I mean, oh yeah, oh yeah. But t- does he seem like you said you touched on it a little bit earlier? Does he seem more deranged than Lou? I mean, you, or, or is it a new uh, playing the hits? I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's it, kinda, it is it's almost more playing the hits. It's yeah. really more playing the hits. Yeah, I would say that. Um, there's an element now with his speeches where they're so um, he's so wrapped up in his own legal problems now that that's right. like a huge chunk of his speech. And it does kind of dovetail with a lot of the other issues that he likes to talk about, you know, yeah. the deep state training the swamp. So like, it's not kind of like out there on an Island by itself, but um, you know, I think if you were, you know, kind of, if you were someone who had been you know in a coma for eight years <laughs> And you would follow politics before that and you were thought out and now, you know, dropping in to watch the Republican frontrunner give his campaign speech. I mean, you would be so confused by the fact that like, okay, he's indicted and like, that's all he's talking about. He's not even really talking about issues, but people love this and he's dominating, you know, it's very confusing. And I think, um, you know, we have to kind of keep focus on the fact that I think, I don't think this is going to play well in a general, not that people should be complacent or like get overconfident, but um, I think the things that play well in a Republican primary are not going to play well, you know, in a general election. I think if anything, Trump's appeal should be even less than it was in 2020. So, yeah, I mean, on your question, I man, his speech is really this is kind of something I think people don't always appreciate about Trump is that really you can go back to 2018. His speeches basically from 2018 to now. So what are we at? Five years yeah. have barely changed because the same accomplishments he was talking about in 2018 in terms of like the economy, um, African-American unemployment, things like this. I mean, it's the same stuff right. that he's talking about five years later with the addition of like his legal problems, you know, which are uh, I guess in 18, it was more of the Mueller stuff, which kind of was like the placeholder for that. Russia, but, Russia, um, Russia. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, I mean, that's always kind of been a constant. The the content of it has changed a little bit. But um, I, the thing that kind of struck me again, and I kind of mentioned this earlier with his speech yesterday in New Hampshire was just how like, again, like how crude he is just insulting people. I mean, yeah. he was spreading rumors about Fannie Willis's sex life saying yeah. that she had an affair with the gang member. And then I saw, so that, that tidbit came from a daily beast report. And I saw one of the reporters who was involved in reporting that like he's talking about something completely different where like there's, she has, um, you know, in her role professionally has been involved with like, you know, prosecution of gang members and things like right. that. And there's allegations that like they've gone, you know, they've gotten off light sort of thing. Somehow Trump twists that into like having an ex- a sexual affair, which kind of shows where his mind goes with stuff like this. And of yeah. course he's always had trouble with black women, you know, going back um, years and years now, if not, you know, you can go all the way back to with his problems with black people to the central park five, things like that. But um, so I was more, I guess the, the, another point on that is that, you know, in 2016, when Trump was out there saying McCain isn't a war hero or mocking the reporter with a disability, like those were huge stories. You know, like the, those were like, yeah. you know, multiple day news cycles. Everybody yep. was talking about it. Republicans had to weigh in on it. Like now he calls Chris Christie a fat pig. He basically, you know, says that Fannie Willis is a slut without any evidence at all. And it's just kind of like it's just Trump being Trump. So it's it's notable to me how we've become kind of like numb to all of that. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, again, I don't think that that really it doesn't bode well for him um, in terms of returning to the white house, but that aspect of it, the fact that 
we just had, you know, his speeches are just tuned out now in a way that they weren't. And maybe that's just a novelty wearing off. But that part of it is notable to me. Yeah, I agree. And, and you have, that, that's one of the reason I want to bring it up. You, you, you know how you do it, by the way. Just just get that out of the way. How the hell do you do it? <laughs> I mean, just how do you, how you, you know, did you, you have you hair when you started? Of, Tell me the truth. Yeah, you had hair, yeah, didn't you? No, I did. I did. I mean, actually, the, the lack of hair was uh, the lack of hair was a covid thing where, um, you know, when covid hit, I had a little barbershop in D.C. that I used to go to. And yeah. of course, that didn't seem wise, you know, when yeah. everybody was basically quarantined yeah and so i just started shaving my own head and um the hair was thinning a little bit anyway like it wasn't too bad but um it was kind of like ah maybe it's time and um i just never you know married so it's like ah um uh, my wife doesn't seem to mind uh i, I hope she's not and Keisha, Keisha from pulling it up that's why that's why i kept my hair short in the army it wasn't no so but much, you should really because like know? you know you should talk to your new colleague asen about um because like you know trump lately a lot of his speeches are at e- they're in the evenings and they're on the weekends, right. a lot of them. Right. And um, I, you know, I have two little kids. They have a life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So like I, you know, there was basically from like 2017 through basically like a couple months ago, I had watched every single Trump rally speech that he had given sometimes on like a short delay. If I had like something going on, yeah. I'd watch them later in the evening or, you know, whatever. But now it's like, I mean, there's a lot of them now. And again, like they're very similar He's not the president anymore. So like, yeah. I, you know, if they're chanting lock her up, I mean, I don't know, like, I guess it's newsworthy because he's a Republican frontrunner. But um, anyway, Asen has kind of taken that mantle, I feel like, where like <laughs> he is reliably, if it's like a Saturday night, yeah. he's on, you know, tweeting the Trump rally. And I, I take a buy on some of them now. But the one <laughs> yesterday was kind of in the sweet spot because it was like mid afternoon. So yeah. it's kind of a, a weird one where it wasn't like his usual evening thing. Yeah. Well, God bless you. I, I went the opposite direction. I grew mine out to have the discovered I have curls. This is a, yeah, <laughs> I didn't, you know, I'm not sure if I, I think I had wave. I thought I had waves and then somewhere halfway through the pandemic, I discovered I had curls. Anyway, here I am now with these luscious curls. No, I get it. And, and I haven't pulled them out because of that. I think I keep my, I keep my distance a little bit more than you guys do. And, and, and it's fantastic. And it, and it, and it is a, service that's what i love about talking when i reach out to you it's like and, and and you find things that nobody else is finding and i appreciate that you know but the legal troubles really are eating up his brain right i mean it's like it's like there's like this empty echo going on in his head all you can talk about is legal 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 i think liz die did a guest piece on your sh- on your subsect today about the the trump lawyer show i mean you know it, it has really yeah. been uh, i mean what a freaking clown car <laughs> of lawyers yeah. you know i mean and and they're trying to i don't know i mean who are they trying this for do you think is it to keep raising money so they get paid that's my, by the way that's my working theory is they're going on tv here's my working theory mm. my working theory is they go on tv say this crazy stuff that's completely farcical and will never pass the legal judgment because they want to get paid <laughs> i mean their audience mm. is not yeah. anybody but one guy in florida who's you know watching tv obsessively yeah, yeah. Well, and, and Liz's piece actually went into a lot of detail that yeah. I was not aware of before she, you know, I, yeah. I edited it. But, um, the, yeah. the, you know, she kind of traces the the through line, you know, because we can think back on the first Trump, you know, his first impeachment. Um, granted, he had like Dershowitz was one of his yeah. legal members, but he did have some lawyers that had some real credibility and are like yeah. real attorneys. Um, when he was president. But then, you know, basically when the January 6th happened, the efforts to overturn the election, that was really kind of a turning point where a lot of serious law firms no longer wanted to be associated with him because it's obviously really bad for their brand. Yeah. And so now it's kind of this clown car of like Alina Haba and this John Loro guy. And um, actually, Liz is probably writing something next week on John Loro is the guy who's been doing all these TV hits recently. Yep. I noticed that now they have a different attorney who I'd never heard of before who was on CNN the other night because I think the Laura ones were so bad, you know, because he first of all, he doesn't really have any <laughs> charisma for TV. So he's just kind of this non-entity on TV. But then, you know, a lot of the things that he was saying just like did not make any sense. Um, and then one of Jack Smith's filings in the January 6th case actually cited at length a number of his TV hits, like making the government's case. Um, and so she's going to go into that like that. There's still a ruling pending on that. Um, so when the ruling comes down, that'll be a nice news peg for that. Yeah. But anyway, so the point being like, he, you know, he, not only does he have kind of the same cast of characters, Christina Bob being another one, uh, um, these attorneys were not particularly well established or reputable, yeah. but then beyond that, um, a lot of these attorneys are representing numerous figures in Trump world. Right. Some of whom have obvious conflicts of interest where like some of them have evidence that uh, implicates other, you know, other members of Trump world and they're representing both of these clients. And so it's become very incestuous in that way too. 
but it's all kind of a byproduct of he can't really tap into like good attorneys at this point. And so it's the same ones over and over. And then, you know, because he wants to keep basically his henchmen on side with him, he'll offer to pay for their legal representation, but it's the same lawyer representing another witness who's incriminating this, you know, so it's just a very problematic arrangement that he has. Yeah. But anyway, in terms of like what you were saying, you know, I, I think a lot of it, like when these attorneys go on Fox news or Newsmax or like OAN, I mean, they're speaking to the base. They're kind of giving them, you know, they're not giving really a legal defense. It's more of a political defense. Here are yeah. talking points to defend Trump with. I don't understand why they go on CNN or MSNBC. I mean, they ne- those those appearances never go well. No. Like, like I mentioned in, in this filing from the Jack Smith team, they create additional legal problems in some instances. Yeah. Their, their base voters aren't watching. No. So that's me. It's like, I don't know if it's just like a vanity thing or what's going on there, but that's been, that's been going on for years now where these attorneys go, like, especially um, Ari Melber yeah. on MSNBC. He's got like this cottage industry. Like the other day he had um, an attorney who was representing John Eastman on there. Oh, he dismantled him. And yeah, yeah. And it's, and they never go well because, you know, they don't really have good arguments. No. And even if they were the most skilled orators and attorneys in the world, like they don't really have good material to work with. So that to me, you know, I wish I could answer that question for you. I've been wondering that myself. It's like, why do these guys go? I understand the Fox and the Newsmax. I don't get the CNN and the MSNBC, but it's been such a pattern that there's got to be some rationale for it. I just I don't understand what it is. I'm an old Lincoln Project guy. I think it's Trump. We used to say that a lot, a lot that, that a lot of people are just playing for one audience. Uh, we saw that a lot in Trump world during the campaign. Uh, I, you know, talking to Rick Wilson and my, my colleagues there at the Lincoln Project I used to work with. That was something we talked about a lot is that a lot of times people are simply playing for one guy, one audience, because he's so domineering. He's so aggressive and pushing people. You know, he, you will do it. And, and then they just all meekly go along a bit. But you know why? I mean, is it is it Christina Bob or, or Alina, the Haba, the one that made what two million dollars in that last FEC report. I mean, two million dollars uh, will buy you a lot of lying on TV, I guess. <laughs> you know, I mean, it just and so um, you know they got to get the ba- bills paid, I guess. But you're right; it is just uh, a clown show. And you know, I'm a big blue. I love it. Keep talking. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I say, like, hey, you're doing you're doing great. Keep it up, guys. You know, I mean, just the idea that the guy who's prosecuting is using your lawyer's public statements and just filing is, I think it's awesome myself. But then again, I'm biased. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and again, like, so th- this Loro guy was doing the rounds. He, w- he was the guy, I, you, you, maybe you noticed this because um, he was on like every single Sunday show. Oh, this past he week, did the five. Yeah. So, tri- was it the, the, yeah, the, the, he did the entire yeah. circuit. And yeah. then this week, you know, they had a Trump lawyer on CNN and it was a different one. And that came after this filing that I mentioned. The filing actually cited a lot of his Sunday show hits. And so I don't know if that was even like too much for Trump, you know, like we got to get someone else in there to do damage control or what, what was going on. But um yeah, I mean, that's, you know, generally you would think that if you have a strong defense, you would kind of let that speak for itself. But right. you know, they, they feel this need to get out there and spin. And it is a unique situation where Trump is running for president, obviously. Yeah. And so they have to fight in the court of public opinion somewhat like they can't, you know, just kind of retreat from that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, none of these defenses are particularly compelling because the other thing is that, you know, especially with the with the January 6th indictment, um, Jack Smith literally on the second page of the indictment says, Trump had every right to lie and even to falsely claim that he won the election. Like he, you know, he, he sets it up right at the beginning. Like this yep. is not what he's being prosecuted for. Then it goes on to detail how what he's being prosecuted for is this conspiracy to disenfranchise voters, take away their votes. Um, but that hasn't stopped, you know, nope. whether it's Republicans defending Trump or Trump's legal team or Trump himself from trying to frame this as, oh, they're violating my free speech. I'm being prosecuted for political speech, which, which is the most protected form of speech. And it's like, yeah. that that is dealt with like literally in the second page. Like if you read even the first two pages of the indictment, and it's not a very long indictment, it's like 40 no. pages. It's no. like a pretty easy read. But even if you only read the first two pages, like it's dealt with right away. And, you know, and it goes to, I think, their banking on, which is probably an accurate bet that Republicans are not going to read the indictment and they will right. believe whatever, you know, Trump's lawyers or Trump himself or these other elected Republicans tell them or Fox News hosts tell them about it. And that's good enough. And so um, that is just kind of unfortunate because I think, you know, if, if people did take the time to read it, yeah. um, granted, they're so primed to believe now by Trump that every investigation of him is a witch hunt right. and a persecution um, that, you know, maybe that's just that maybe that bubble is just impossible to kind of to puncture at this point. I'm not sure. But I would. Um, you know, I would argue that it, it, it I hate to say it, it, it works, right? Because if you yeah. see main, mainstream media is forced to repeat those talking points, 
right? And you saw you saw that everybody likes to bash New York Times. I love New York Times pitch bot. But you look at the New York Times headlines. They're they're, they're the, the the by the the consistent. And I'm an old PR guy, so you know. And I used to be a propagandist for the army, of course. <laughs> and it's it's a consistent repeat, repeat, repeat the message. The the mainstream media has no choice because when they have to do the both sides, they know they have to do the both sides thing. They have to. And the the other the other side of that is complete lies, right? Yeah. And they. So they repeat the lies and it works. I mean, if you look at things, I saw something interesting the other day, a Gallup poll came out, I think it was Gallup, that said uh, 41% of Americans believe that um, the Biden administration is unethical. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I mean, I've dealt with these guys. They're they're almost ethical to the point of being uncomfortable because you can't do shit with them, right? right but but right. again, that's that constant drip, drip, drip of the messaging slipping into the mainstream, slipping into yeah. the conversation. I think, I think yep. it is, it goes back to one guy. I think it, and, and it, and he says it all the time, Steve Schmidt, or, or, you know, Steve Bannon, flood the zone with shit. Yeah. And, no, and, and you're right. Shit. I mean, certainly like if you, um, I mean, I, 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 you know, I posted a tweet last night noting this, that um, I went through and, and searched all the transcripts on Fox news primetime, which, you know, they just changed the lineup. It's, um, Laura Ingram, Jesse Waters, yeah. Hannity, and then they have Gutfeld as like the comedian, comedian <laughs> um, at the end, um, who does great ratings, you know, which I guess is another sign of uh, the apocalypse. The apocalypse, but, right, um, exactly. <laughs> uh, but no, so Hunter Biden was mentioned on those yes. shows last night, 47 times. The Ohio referendum was not mentioned. Funny. And that's kind of like, but you're right that it does kind of break through because even on uh, one of the Sunday shows, um, I believe it, it wasn't Goldman, but it was another, it was, maybe it was Raskin who was yeah. on uh, CBS and the face of the nation. He went on after the Trump lawyer and major Garrett was hosting the show. And so they, they talked a little bit, you know, cause of course Raskin was one of the lead members of the January 6th committee yep. and was like, you know, intimately involved with, with all of that. And so he had, you know, a uh, front row seat and, and they were talking about that. But then, you know, the second part of the interview was all these kind of like weird questions with Hunter Biden and, Oh, do you have concerns about ethics and the, the Biden administration corruption? So, you know, but it, it when right-wing media hammers this stuff so hard, right, it does become, and then now, now Fox is really big on shaming the other networks for not covering right. their conspiracy theories. And it works. Graphic, yeah, and it works. And it works. It works like a champ. Yeah. I mean, and it yeah. actually works. It's just, it's insanity. And that's a good place to take a break. Uh, we'll go talk to some of our amazing sponsors that power this show. You know, it's midsummer. We can see the end of vacation season coming. Back to school, back to business, back to work. You know, it's so easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you right now. And you never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself. I see this in my own life as I juggle my work and my family and, and the time and heck, even my garden, for goodness sake. Because so many of us spend so much of our time giving to others, it can leave us feeling stretched, thin, burned out, and frankly frazzled. Therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life. So you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. I have personally found therapy is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries and generally how to become the best version of myself. I want you to know that therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major life difficulties or challenges. It's for everyone. And because what you're going through every day, you know, it matters. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I'd love you to give BetterHelp a try. Now, it's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I started my own therapy journey online, and I'm going to be honest, it changed my life. With BetterHelp, you just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can actually switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. I want you to find more balance in your life, and I want you to find BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Fred today, you'll get 10% off your first month with BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Fred. And I really, really want to thank BetterHelp for being a sponsor of our show. And back. Uh, that's, uh, you know, that's the thing is they've done a great job of shaping the narrative. And, and that takes us, that's a good place to kind of the other narrative that's going on right now, the, the Republican primary, which I think the narrative of the Republican primary, if, if I was going to pick a, a narrative that's the biggest bullshit narrative of the Republican primary, is that there's a Republican primary. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, right. I mean, come on. I mean, they're all, they're all at 1%. And I'll tell you my working theory, my working theory that other than Christie and Heard, there, I, people hit, God, all, all the time on Twitter, I'm sure you get the same stuff it's like what are these people doing why would they criticize trump they're never opposed and they're running it. and i tell people all the time i said it so many times now i'm almost sick of saying it none of these guys are actually opposing trump their mission is succeed trump they're six they're, they're trying to be his successor they're all not playing to be the king they're playing to be the crown prince the hope that 
his heart gives out from all the freaking McDonald's, <laughs> you know, and or he goes to jail and is forced out of the race. I, I don't believe, I don't know if you agree or disagree, but I'd love your take on that. But that's my working theory yeah. is that they don't want to offend MAGA because their theory is they need to be the one that takes them forward. Not, they're actually not opposing Trump. I, I think there's a lot to that, especially with like Tim Scott and Haley, who I yeah. think uh, Haley in particular is, would happily be the VP um, Scott, maybe, I mean, being a Senator to go to being the VP, I mean, maybe he, like you were saying, maybe he would view himself then as the 2028 yeah. kind of like the person waiting, um, you know, to run then, but you know, it's, it's a really like, I was thinking about this today because, um, it, it's such a difficult needle to thread in the sense of like, how do you draw a contrast with Trump? If you're one of these Republicans and not alienate a significant part of his base, which you need to win at the primary. Yep. And, you know, cause I thought for many months, and this was kind of naive, like I'm not a Republican, but like, I thought the the case for DeSantis that would have made the most sense and really, you know, would have really drawn a sharp contrast would have been basically saying like, look, I won by 20 points last year in Florida. This guy lost in 2020. And he even went to the extent of trying to overthrow the election to stay in power. You know, let, let's go with the winner. Like he's a loser. You know, just kind of drawing yeah. that like basic contrast of like, I, you know, I am your best hope of winning this next election. Um, but he could never quite bring himself to go there. And yep. you know, he, he's kind of like hinted at it in a couple recent interviews. It's probably too late now, anyway. Yep. But you know, I, I just wonder if you know if you could have created like the perfect, uh, the perfect anti-Trump Republican candidate in a lab. Yeah. If like it even would have <laughs> been possible to beat him this cycle, because no. you still have like you know, it's it's probably over half of the Republican base just loves this guy and their cult members. And like, you know, he gets indicted, his poll numbers go up, which, yep. which he talks about, but it's true. Yeah. And so I just don't really know if it was even possible. And granted, like, it's very disappointing. Cause like, I mean, I remember, and I'm sure you do too, back in 2015, like those early debates were like must watch TV. I mean, yeah. the, the first Republican debate where, Trump went after Megyn Kelly. That was when we, you know, after the debate, he said something about her having like blood coming out yeah. of her, you know, like referring to her being yeah. you know, menstrual or whatever. Um, but, you know, I mean, they were, um, you know, must watch it. And Trump took part in all of them. You know, he, he was sparring with, uh, well, it was Christy and Rubio and one of them, yep. but like, you know, they go after each other and it was, you know, yep. it was entertaining at least. I mean, granted, like it was also pretty bleak in hindsight when reflecting on everything. <laughs> a little dystopian, that. slightly dystopian. Little do we know now. Like, yeah. It's like a prequel yeah. to like the, the hunger games at this well, point. Because like, <laughs> we all, you know, we all thought Hillary was going to ultimately right. prevail. Right. So um, did she. <laughs> but now, I mean, Trump has been very clear. He hasn't come quite out and said it directly, but he's not going to debate <clears throat> this, this upcoming Fox wow. News debate. He's not going to do it. He's not showing up. And so, like, I mean, it's going to be really sad because, like, everybody's still going to it'll still do really good ratings. I'm assuming. I don't maybe not. But like people like you yourself, myself will watch at least because yeah, we're but obsessed. it's going to be like, what, what's the point? Like, they, right. you know, none of these none of these guys have a shot No. Um you know, Christie will be criticizing Trump and I'm sure, you know, we'll get kind of the perverse spectacle of people like DeSantis and Scott kind of acting as like Trump defense attorneys, you know, even when he's not there kind of right. be very bizarre to see. But then I guess the one thing that we will see now I'm thinking through this is that we will at least get the spectacle since DeSantis will presumably still be the number two candidate at that time of people ganging up and attacking him, which could be kind of entertaining because I feel like yeah. that's, you know, as bleak as the Trump thing is. <laughs> the one like fate has kind of given us the, the silver lining or like they've at least thrown us the bone of this DeSantis implosion, which has been so entertaining and like delicious to take in. Because some of people, like Christina, Christina Pushaw oh. is, is one of the oh. like just most reprehensible people on Twitter. Oh, terrible. Just find person. her to be totally insufferable. So the fact that and Jeremy Redford, the, her, the number two, right. Jeremy Redford, another one, you know, so, I mean, at least we have that, but it, it's not much, you know, I mean, granted in the context of like Trump being coronated and again, being the candidate and like, you know, democracy, again being on the line not that it wouldn't have been if DeSantis was the nominee so, well I like to see him flame out and I like to see him flame out another he's not even a 2028 candidate I mean I, I I'd like to see yep. him go into the arc yeah I don't know did you see the interview they did I guess I think it was uh, Good Morning America it just came out I don't think you treated it but somebody did and it showed him and Casey talking and she goes it's that's where she gave the bit about how when she had cancer you know he picked up the kids with humility <laughs> and and people focused on that like handmaid's tale kind of focus but if you really I, I love like I love the body language of those two. I don't know why. I'm just obsessed with like their interactions because she's so weird, right? And yeah. she says this and she does these like tears and then she reaches and 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 he's like, oh yeah. And the reporter kind of gets in and is like, oh wow, yeah, that's really sad. Does that, how does that make, like trying to give him, you know, human feelings. And then if you watch carefully, it took like six times. She like reaches for his hand, like puts her hand on his, 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 his leg and he's like, doesn't notice. So finally she like reaches in and grabs his hand 
hand, you know, and drags his hand over. Like oh. it's like it's like there's a cue, like a robot, like have feelings. You know, it's just it it is. I mean, I guess I do take a perverse pleasure of watching the whole thing because you said Pushaw early on came after me when I was Lincoln Project guy. Still, you know, her guy Jeremy Redfern, who I guess is still technically a state employee, he's an army vet, so he likes to play Mr. Tough Guy veteran and stuff. And it's just, yeah. So I do take a very deep and perverse pleasure seeing DeSantis implode, and, and we are seeing that. I mean, I think the New Hampshire poll just came out that he's tied with Chris Christie. Yeah, I know, I know, <laughs> which is. Just yeah. mm, chef's yeah, kiss. And, and tied, not, not tied at like 20%, tied no. at like 8%. Single um, so, digits. You know, where, and, and Trump is at like 50. So, I mean, that, that's game over right there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, they, it's just the, the you know, we're going to see this kind of drag out for like six months, yeah. obviously. But I mean, no one has any traction other than Trump. Yeah. And I don't really see that changing. I mean, I guess like in theory, someone like a Glenn Youngkin, um, I, Brian Kemp has kind of ruled it out already, but yeah. I, mean, I guess you could see a Youngkin. Youngkin has nothing to lose because he can only do one term yep. in Virginia anyway. So like, why not? Um, yeah. But he's not going to, it's going to be the same problem with him. Like he's yeah. not going to go after Trump. He'll get destroyed by and Trump. So. And and he's got such a paper thin resume. I mean, the thing about Youngkin is he got elected by Jeff Rowe, which is the same. It's interesting, you know, they share a strategist. The guy, that's why they share the blue vest. The, the, you know, the vest thing is Jeff Rowe, right? Yeah. And yeah. for those who don't know who Jeff Rowe is, you should Google him because he's a, a amazingly horrible person, but he's a big strat. He's the number one strategist in the Republican Party now, uh, thanks to the many, many evil things he's done. But he's the guy kind of got Youngkin elected and that he's he's, you know, DeSantis is the pack guy. Um, and that's why we laugh when we see DeSantis wearing the vest. It's like, oh, oh, yeah, he's got one move. You know what? We're yeah. failing. Get him a vest. <laughs> you know, no, he was but at, that's yeah, he was at, uh, yeah, it was some, it was some event. It was like midday. Cause I, yeah. I actually, um, kind of live, live clip that one. Uh, this was, um, I think like last Friday, possibly it yeah. was recently. And yeah, it was like, you know, cause I'm up here in Minnesota. So I mean, right. a little bit North of Iowa and it was like 90 here and you know, so even hotter there. Right. And he, he's got the jeans with like the, you know, kind of like work boots on yeah. and the long sleeve at the Tiles. best. Like who, who, you know, yeah. Who, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Who dresses, like that, who dresses you know? but, this guy? Um, well, it's all Casey. Yeah, it is. You know, cause I mean, there's been, there's kind of, you know, I'm actually reading, uh, I just started reading it. Uh, Garrett Graff, who maybe, I don't know if you yeah. follow him on Twitter, but um, yeah, he's got a, a recent, it's from last year, but a new history of Watergate out. And mm-hmm. um, I'm very, early into the book but like he kind of sets up the book talking about how unlikely it was that nixon became like this towering figure of the 20th century because he was so impersonal and was very awkward and like didn't really his whole thing was that he had a very tight circle of advisors because he didn't want to interact with people right and so he kind of had you know he had the three was three germans uh kissinger and then ehrlichman and haldman who were like his you know his whole time in office were like his three main advisors and he kind of he wanted to deal with them because he didn't want to deal with other people and so the, the point simply being that there's, there is a long history, you know, this idea that you have to be super extroverted to be a successful no. politician doesn't always hold true. You know, Obama wasn't necessarily the greatest retail politician either. Obviously Biden has that skill and Trump in a weird way, like Trump does have kind of a weird does. charisma to him. He's not he really does. a retail politician, but I mean, even yesterday, um, cause I'm sure you saw some of the tweets. He was wet. Like he was pre- soaking. I know just soaking. soaking. Like, absolutely. Like- <laughs> I mean, it looked like he was running a marathon with a suit on, but like his, his face was wet. Soaking. But I mean, at least, you know, he was up there saying, oh, I'm sweating like a dog. We got to wrap this up. Yeah. And, you know, people are, you know, he, no, he, no, I mean, it looked terrible. He has that ability to laugh at himself um, that people find kind of relatable. Well, I think we, we and had just a, clearly does not because he's wearing the, the, the lifts and all that. Well, he's know. not funny. He doesn't. And that's the thing we talk about a lot where the difference of DeSantis went the bully part. He thinks the bully part is where we loved. But also yeah. Trump is also in, in to And I always get man. Please don't leave all the negative comments in the video, folks. I love you to death, but I'm going to say something that makes you mad every week when I say it. Trump actually has a certain charisma and he's certain he's funny to certain people. And and if you can just listen to the crowd and the reaction, he does have a power. And you know who who was the guest, Matt? We had uh, we had a few, uh, John Nichols. Was it John Nichols? I don't remember. We had a guest on who talked about how Trump's bit really is. He's kind of like the old comedians from the, you know, the Adirondack. <laughs> you know, he, he's literally, he's got that old, he's got that, you know, the, 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 the caustic humor comedians of the old days, the, in the sixties and seventies, you know, who did the, who did the, who did the routines and his routine is that kind of, like you said, Oh, you know, the, all the nicknames and all that stuff. That's yeah. his bit. And there's people that appeals to, by the way, a lot of boomers love that stuff. Right. Yeah. And, and, and DeSantis is not, funny i mean i mean no. i know it sounds stupid well, it's like it's but it so doesn't matter he's not like, funny you know he's terrible well and like you know and fox and newsmax will try to carry some of his speeches like they'll yeah. cut in oh here let's cut in oh. and then like two minutes later they're done because it's like and that's ron DeSantis because there's just nothing happening <laughs> it's boring you know, it's yeah just not, you know and so yeah. um granted they don't really take the trump speeches either 
mainly because they're so long and rambling that like they're, they're kind of ratings. Yeah. They're, they're not good for ratings either. Like people, you know, they, they, you know, they discovered that during the, the Trump presidency where, um, you know, they, they reliably for a period of time would take his rallies and broadcast them. So I would oftentimes clip the Fox news feed when I was live tweeting his rallies. Yeah. But then at a certain point they figured out that like an original episode of Tucker, like doubled the ratings of them showing the Trump rally. Cause they were just, you know, he's dissembling. They're like 90 minutes long. And so they don't really take his rallies anymore either. But um, yeah, with DeSantis, it's like they try, you know, and it's yeah. like, mm, it's just too boring. Um, so yeah, I mean, he just doesn't really have the juice and um, you know, and I, he was really the only, the only person I think in the, in the field who had a shot to, yeah. to give Trump, you know, a run for his money. So yeah, I think you're right that like, you know, some of them are probably waiting for like a major medical event, possibly. Right. Um, I think the prison thing is less likely because I don't think we're going to see all of the, the legal stuff play no, out. Because that's what he's doing. Uh, he's of, running the clock out. Right, that's what he's good right. at. And yeah. so and, I, you know, I think even um, I, I'm not enough of a legal expert. You know, I've seen a lot of I don't even think legal experts really know because, um, you know, the, the rulings haven't been made yet to, in terms of scheduling. Like we, we did have the scheduling of the the documents trial for yeah. March. Or no, it's May. Excuse me. May of May. next year. But that could be delayed even further because usually, you know, the, the when the when these trials get scheduled, it's kind of a placeholder. And then especially on the defense side, you can delay things even further if there's issues surrounding evidence that's going to be in the trial. Yep. And the evidence is very complicated in that case because there's classified documents involved and all that stuff. Yep. So that, you know, now with the other trial, I'm not sure if it'll be scheduled before then or not, but it just seems unlikely that it's all going to wrap up before the trial. So the prison is kind of off the table. I think so, so. I guess you still have like the, the medical event possibility, but I mean. <laughs> Let's face it, like Trump's going to live to be like 100. I mean, does oh, yeah. anybody really doubt that? I mean, like, I, you know, there, even when he got COVID and was sick, it was like, ah, he'll be okay. You know, yeah. I mean, he just kind of has that that air of like, you know, his parents lived to be like 100, right? Yeah. So Two words. I mean, Rupert Murdoch. He's fucking freaking in his 90s. Yeah. <laughs> still terrible. Still marrying young women. I mean, it's like, you know, these guys, these guys live forever. It's like, it's 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 horrifying, frankly. But yeah, I think so too. And I do, it's, uh, I think my, uh, my friend Jeff Timmer says it well. He goes, there's only two things will stop Trump from being the nominee is a jail cell and uh and uh aorta is aorta and uh, yeah. i'm not sure if yeah. either of those are in the I, I like i said i do believe he will be the not he'll be the republican nominee without question um and i do agree with you in the end that and i was again going back to my lincoln project experience our goal was to get the the four to six percent three four six percent of republican voters that voted for him the first time not to vote for him the second time i just don't see a scenario where those same people will come, will say, oh, you know what? Now that he's been indicted four times. I'm totally going back to him. You know, it's like the, yeah. the reasons they left have not only not changed; they've actually gotten worse. So, it, well, yeah, you know. I, I think that's right, and I also think that, um, you know, if you go back when when Biden's approval really started sliding, like late 21, um, you know, first, well, there, there were a number of there were a number of circumstances that contributed to that, but I think probably one of the foremost was economic conditions, right? deteriorating. I mean, we had inflation. Um, I mean, it was mainly inflation, right? Cause like yep. the job record has been solid from day one of the Biden administration, yep. but you know, inflation is a big deal for people because it feels like their money doesn't go as far. It doesn't yep. go as far. Yep. So especially if you're kind of, you know, in a tight income, but now that's, you know, like that's gotten better recently. Like the job stuff is still really solid. Like, you know, economists are saying that there's no recession on the horizon now. So like, if you're one of those people who wanted to hold your nose and say, well, you know, we need to cut taxes or whatever, um, even that's kind of gone away where I feel like it's, it's pretty hard to push back on the idea that Biden hasn't done a pretty good job economically, especially when you compare the COVID recovery to other right. comparable countries. Yeah. So like, yeah, even that, you know, and, and I think that you're right. Um, you know, that it's kind of an underrated thing about the 2020 election where I think, you know, a big factor was that there was that, that thin slice of Republicans who may have voted for Trump in 2016, but then, you know, turned away from him especially in some of those swing states, I mean, people who are yeah. like, you know, Lincoln Project fans or Bulwark fans. Yeah. Um, and to me, it seems like, touch. you know, when the, when the economy wasn't doing so well, that maybe gave those people an excuse to consider voting yeah. for Trump again. Um, I feel like maybe that reason isn't as available now as it would have been, you know, a year yeah. ago, let's say. So, yeah, I mean, you know, hopefully it, it seems like, you know, but then you look at the polling and it's like they're tied, you know, yeah. but granted, we're a long way up, but it's so always early. Kind of like, you know, I, I tell people not yeah. to worry. It's August, you know, it's August of a non-election year. People aren't paying attention. I mean, look at the donations. I mean, I, 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 I ran a super PAC for a while there, you know, and, and every August, especially August, is like where it really bottoms out people caring in the non-election year. And then you'll start seeing September come up. And I think that's actually where we should stop for another sponsor break because we have some great sponsors. Do you know your temperature at night can have one of the greatest impacts on your sleep quality? If you wake up too hot or too cold like I do often, I really recommend you try out Miracle Made Sheets. Inspired by NASA, Miracle Made uses silver infused fabrics and made temperature regulating bedding so you can sleep the perfect temperature all night long. 
Now that silver infused fabric means that Miracle Made sheets are thermoregulating and designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night long so you get a better night's sleep. And I can tell you honestly, I have. Now the silver fusion technology also adds an extra benefit. It means the sheets prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them cleaner and fresher three times longer than normal sheets. There's no more gross odors from your sheets. You don't have to worry about any problems with bacteria. They just last longer. Now, I've been sleeping with these sheets, and they're seriously comfortable without a high price tag of other luxury brands. And they feel as nice, if not nicer, than the bed sheets used by some five-star hotels. Stop sleeping on bacteria. <laughs> bacteria clogs your pores, causes breakouts and acne, a whole bunch of problems. Sleep better, sleep clean with Miracle. Now, go try Miracle.com slash Fred. That's go to trymiracle.com slash Fred to try Miracle Made Sheets today. Whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use that promo code Fred at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle Made is so confident in their product, it's back with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Now, upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash Fred and use the code Fred to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40%. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash Fred. Treat yourself. I love the products. I've been using them myself and sleeping like a baby. Let's stop cutting down trees to make toilet paper. I mean, it's true. Humans are cutting down tens of thousands of every day just to supply the American need for toilet paper. And the worst part is that when you use trees for toilet paper, it's just one use and done. It can't be reused or recycled. It just goes straight into our water system. That's why I made the switch to real paper. You know, real is 100% bamboo. So we're using a plant that grows fast, can be harvested and regenerated like grass in a lawn and, and doesn't impact entire ecosystems of forest. Real is the best kind of eco-friendly product because it doesn't feel like you're sacrificing something to help the earth. In fact, honestly, it feels like an upgrade. I'm really busy these days, so it's great to have it shipped free to my door, plastic-free packaging, and I can schedule it on a subscription so that it comes exactly when I need it. And y'all, I'm super forgetful, as anyone who knows me knows, so I don't have to worry about picking it up the store where I always forget. I'm a bit of an environmentalist myself, too, you know, so I love that Real is now a partner with One Tree Planted, and with every box of Real that you buy, they're funding reforestation efforts across the country. So unlike other to toilet paper products that cuts down trees, Real is actually helping to plant trees. Now, Real Paper is available in easy, hassle-free subscriptions or for one-time purposes on their website. All orders are conveniently delivered to your door with free shipping and 100% recyclable, plastic-free packaging. Now, if you head to realpaper.com slash Fred, sign up for a subscription using my code FRED at the checkout, you'll automatically get 30% off your first order and free shipping. So that's R-E-E-L-P-A-P-E-R dot com slash Fred or just enter the promo code Fred get 30% off your first order plus free shipping let's make a change for good this year switched real paper real it's paper for the planet um yeah I mean we kind of picking up where we left off it is it is you know we're starting to see the movement for you know and, and the last time we had an election of course was last cycle was the uh, I, th I remember sitting here on the show after the, after we lost the house and and I, I think I got negative comments on that one too, Matt. And I said it's going to be a complete shit show, and we don't have to worry about it. <laughs> and 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 I said, and people Matt, Matt remembers. I mean, and I got a lot of negative comments. I was like, look, I I love. I mean, I hate the fact we lost the house. I do with with every fiber of my being. But another part of me feels like this is an opportunity for us to show. I mean, in the easiest way possible, there's three branches of government. Obviously, there's a Republican Supreme Court, but we won't get it. But giving them the House and letting them go absolutely effing insane in the House is a great way for, if I was a messenger guy, oh, which I am, by the way, just constantly saying, uh, see, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I said the other day, I was on Twitter, I, Chip Roy, I guess, wants to defund DOJ and DHS to show, like, I was like, go for it, dude. You should totally do that. <laughs> I, I want yeah. you to spend all your time in the next six months trying to defund the Department of Justice. And if that's what you want to hang your head. So, I mean, this clown show, I mean, some of the stuff come out of this house is insane. I mean, I know you, oh, uh, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's been kind of a cottage industry just clipping some of these <laughs> hearings, especially oversight. Oh, yeah. With Marjorie Taylor Greene. It, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Bobert and oh, Gates. It's like the Gates. trifecta are all on that committee. So um, <laughs> those are always, you know, they, they make for good clips at least. Um, 
<laughs> but yeah, I mean, and, and you know what? Like the the you know the um the main tent of the circus is still to come here because you know right. they're, they're coming back in September and they're, they're going to do impeachment 100 percent because you know the idea is that this is kind of like a rear guard defensive Trump where it's like okay well you know they impeached him twice let's let's cheapen impeachment by impeaching Biden and let's you know the, Trump's going to be on trial let let's try and kind of both sides the corruption thing yeah by you know spending months kind of trying to you know tar Biden as corrupt, even though there's no evidence implicating him, you know, obviously Hunter has his own issues and whatever, but like, you know, you notice even I I pointed this out yesterday or a couple days ago on Twitter, because McCarthy has been tweeting about this more and more. Yeah. And um, he had one the other day where, where he said something about like Biden family corruption and that that's the tell right there. I mean, they have nothing on the president. Like, sure. I mean, you know, there's a certain obviously shamelessness in um, trying to make a big issue out of cashing in on your family name coming on the heels of the Trump era, but like, that's yeah. what they're, they're going for. I'm not saying that that's okay, but like, you know, if Hunter committed crimes, then he should be prosecuted. And he, you know, he, they had a plea deal where he was going to plead guilty to tax and gun crimes. Right. But, um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, so the worst of it is, is still the common sense because we're going to have this impeachment. I mean, you know, there's certain members of, of the house actually was, it was Mark Green, a Senator who um, was on Maria Bartiromo show today. And Maria was actually pushing, like they want to do like a two for one impeachment, getting Mayorkas and Biden at the same time. You know, it's, it's just beyond, but like, I think that, I think you're right that people shouldn't really be worried about it because, you know, this has been kind of the, the pattern of these house hearings, whether it's the Twitter files, um, you know, some of the, 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 the broader weaponization stuff that they've been talking about. Yeah. They bring in these witnesses and it just completely backfires because Every you time. have people like, you have people like Goldman, uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz has been really effective. Um, you know, these Democrats come prepared and yeah. with really good lines of questioning that kind of expose, you know, these hearings for what they are. And so granted, like, it doesn't matter what happens at these hearings, Fox, Newsmax, they're going to run with the narrative of it's devastating for Biden, right. you know, um, that they will chop up, you know, they'll find the 30 second clip or soundbite that, um, you know, of a, of a Republican really going after one of the witnesses or, you know, pounding on the table kind of thing but that's going to happen regardless. Um, and I just think that, um, I don't really, I mean, it is, I wonder how that kind of plays in terms of like your swing voters. Right. Um, my sense is that doesn't play well, but you know, I I guess that's the idea of these Republicans is like, if we can get, you know, even a small segment of the middle voters believing that Biden is just as corrupt as Trump, then we're doing our job kind of thing. Right. But I mean, these hearings are going to be the the impeachment drive is going to be a complete circus. And that's what they're going to do right when they come back in September. So buckle up for that. Just as we start primary season, you know, just as we start, you know, getting thinking about it. I mean, I think, again, I want to do that while we think they think it's an advantage to do this during the election cycle. I would argue it just gives us people like us, especially like you who professional clip these guys. <laughs> it gives us fodder for what the, our counter argument which is like, this is the madness you're signing up for. Does this had they passed any bills? They had they had a 10 point agenda. None of them have passed. None of their things have made law. Right. They haven't made any laws. Basically, they're just wasting our money and our time on this stupidity. Um, and I'm happy mm-hmm. to I'm happy to litigate that. I mean, as I as mean, a, I, I, ironically, the one law that they I mean, and there probably yeah. have been a few, but like the, the yeah. debt ceiling, uh, right. where like, you know, they didn't really get any concessions from biden whatsoever um that was you know and and that you know leads you know that makes me wonder with uh you know like the government shutdown stuff that's we're gonna have this fall as well like you know if mccarthy is gonna have to kind of play ball more with the fringe yeah than he did that last time to keep his job and you know that could be really bad obviously for the country if there's a protracted shutdown something like that yeah um you know maybe impeachment is the bone that he throws to them i mean i've actually been kind of surprised how out front mccarthy has been on the impeachment stuff because you know one way that he could play it would be kind of just like well you know, that's the uh, Judiciary Committee's responsibility. I don't want to get involved with that. But no, he's out there saying like, yeah, we need to have an imp- impeachment inquiry. Yeah. You know, he gets mad at reporters if they say he supports impeachment because he wants to kind of split hairs and say, no, I'm only supporting the inquiry. Inquiry, and we'll go, yes, yes. We'll yes. go where the facts lead sort of thing. Of course, you know, they'll, they'll make up the facts as they go. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, he's really out front on that. And I wonder if that's kind of trying to keep, you know, that that fringe on side with him so he doesn't face a, a vote to vacate the chair and lose his job. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, this fall, it's, it's going to be um, it's going to be crazy. And, and you're right that like there hasn't been any real legislating. Um, no, that'd be tough anyway, just given obviously the divided government. Yeah. Um, and I do wonder if there was some sort of like big crisis that needed addressing some sort of like stimulus legislation. I mean, maybe you could cobble together a coalition of Democrats and kind of moderate Republicans in the House and then get it through the Senate as well. We haven't thankfully we haven't really been faced with that since no. um, Republicans took the House. And I guess it would have been uh, January of this year. Right. So yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, other than kind of, the, you know, it's a circus. And beyond that, there's, there's not a whole lot of substance to what's going on in the house these days. And the Senate, meanwhile, is like doing nothing. I mean, I, yeah, you, know, you got Tuberville. I mean, the, the, the right, Senate, the right. Senate's being quiet, but you got the Tuberville stuff. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, Vote vets came out with a, 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 a poll, I think today showing that 58%, they ran a poll in Alabama, 58% of Alabama the recipient, uh, poll participants are against what Tuberville is doing. It was interesting too, because there was, the, if, it's really fascinating. If you can get a chance to look at it, it's fascinating when you break it down. Um, it, it, first, First of all, like 58 percent of the participants in the survey were Trump voters, which was great. Uh, but they're like, look, we've politicized the military. And, and then that goes to the, right. the NDAA, which was just so outrageous. I've talked about on the show before where, you know, you added, you know, Lauren Boebert got a book ban in, in, in Dodea schools. Uh, Abigail Spamberg and I laughed about that. She doesn't even know what she doesn't know. Call it Dodea. She calls it D-O-D-E-A. It's like, oh, F. <laughs> you know, but Dodea, which is the education department there, you know, she got book bans. You got you got the transgender bans. You got the abortion bans. I mean, they packed the NDAA with political bullshit and now you've got Tommy Tuberville now going on six months of sitting on military promotions but in his own state yeah. they are actually saying this is hurting national security at this point that you, you've made your point um I mean again yeah. I'm happy to well I hate it but I actually I had a piece that ran in my newsletter on Monday mm. from David Lurie who's an oh. attorney he's, he's written for the Daily Beast um he's been on my podcast before but you know he, he he's very smart and um yeah. he was kind of linking the Tuberville stuff which he called, um, cause you know, McCarthy with the end, the NDA kind of got on yeah. board with a lot of the culture wearing. He did, but he liked it. He called it Kevin McCarthyism because you can go back to Joe McCarthy and like what really led to his downfall was attacking the military. Like, right. of course that was a, a previous form of culture warring, the whole red scare stuff. But like what really got him in trouble was when he tried to turn that against the military yeah. and insinuate that the military had been infiltrated by secret communists and all this stuff. And like, it doesn't, the politics of that never really plays well because the, the military is an institution that, a broad range of Americans identify with, right? Because they have family members who have served, maybe they've served um, people in their community. And so, you know, when, when you start to kind of culture war against the troops um, politically, there's a lot of risk in that. And, you know, that's actually really fascinating. That would have been, I, I wish I would have seen that before this piece went live. Cause that would have been a really interesting kind of addition yeah. to kind of flesh that point out further because he was kind of drawing more on the historical analogy. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, and, you know, Tuberville is, is absolutely resolute with it. I mean, he was on Newsmax today. I mean, you know, showing no signs of wavering on, on the military promotion stuff. And so um, I know there are ways that Schumer could, um, you know, kind of get around that. It would take a lot of Senate floor time yeah. and kind of gum up the works in a way that I'm not sure is really like realistic to do it that way. But, um, you know, it, it's similar, I guess, to kind of bring it full, full circle to what we started talking about at the beginning of the show with, with the abortion stuff where yeah. like, you know, this stuff with, with, um, you know, basically holding all these military promotions until they no longer pay for troops to have any sort of reproductive health care. Um, I guess the Republican base loves that. I'm sure that they do. I mean, there's a segment, you know, yeah. you said even, you know, even in Alabama, it's not playing well with kind of your, your normal Republicans, but you know, I guess it plays well on TV and there's a certain segment of the base that likes that. But you know, when you kind of extrapolate that, that out to more national politics or national, try and nationalize these issues, it doesn't play well for Republicans. And so I guess we'll, we'll see, um, as you also mentioned, I mean, we're August of an off year. Like yeah. this could be kind of like forgotten a year from now. But um, you know, if Tuberville was in any other states, um, you know, oh. I think the races there could get interesting in light of what you were saying. How unpopular this is, even in a deep red state. Yeah, and I think I think it also shows. To me, I think it shows where McConnell is, right? Where we're you know we're looking at McConnell. There's a lot of talk about the old age, uh, and maybe this we should probably get wrapped up. It, you know the. McConnell's lost us. I mean, you, you saw the clips of him. I'm sure you did. You probably ran him of his getting booed at the the speech in Kentucky. But it almost feels like, in a lot of ways, the old McConnell never would have allowed this to drag out like it has. It, it, mm -hmm. it, a lot, of, a lot of my heart kind of feels like McConnell's definitely not where he was. And and there's mm -hmm. there's there's chum in the water. There's blood in the water. That sharks like Tuberville and others kind of feel like they can do what they want. They're going to swim their own way because it just seems. It just, I think, you know, McConnell, one of his things is he keeps his, he keeps his caucus very focused and he keeps his caucus in line on the priorities they have. They, they, they're fine. The NDAA right now, right? That should be the focus. Instead, almost every day it's Tuberville, Tuberville, Tuberville. So it yeah. does feel to me a little bit like we are seeing the, the help McConnell is, is his, his caucus is slipping through his fingers. It's, I mean, 
I, part of me is like, yay. Part of me is like, God, what comes next? I mean, I just, I right. shudder to think what could be next, right? I mean, Tom Cotton or some other nut job. Um, I mean, there's a lot of nut jobs. Center. It's easy to, you mentioned one of them earlier. What's it, Mark, Mark Wayne Mullen? Yeah. Uh, the, the, I mean, well, right. holy yeah. shit, the people they elected last cycle. It's like, I actually forgot about how effed up some of these Republican centers they elected were. And, you, you know, oh, yeah. and Jesus, Marsha Blackburn from, you know, I, there are some really, really bad Republican center. So a power struggle yeah. there will be really interesting to watch unfold. Perhaps yeah. that happens yeah, during I election mean, year, you know? Yeah. Well, right. And, and, you know, McConnell was able to, you know, Rick Scott challenged him, right. But yeah. he was able to fend that off pretty, yeah. pretty easily. And so um, I'm not quite sure what would have changed since then. Cause that was just in January, but um, you know, maybe it is that, yeah, you're right. I mean, the, him getting booed in, in Kentucky. Yeah. Um, that's yeah, that, that the is health really scare that the freeze he had the other day. I mean, it just feels well, like the freeze. Yeah. I mean, that, you know, right. that, that, yeah. that kind of came and went where, you know, and I get it. I mean, he's not the president had, had that been Biden. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, I mean, I, I think Hannity, you would, still be, <laughs> Hannity would still be anchoring special coverage like a week later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, oh yeah. I mean, oh my analyzing God. Analyzing it frame by frame to see, but, you know, they'd have um, Ronnie Jackson on there. Breaking down the footage, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, frame by frame. But, uh, but that's yeah, not it just kind of came and went. And, yeah, um, I know. You know and, and Republicans really, you know, the, the ones who went on TV, like uh, Langford from Oklahoma, was on, and he was basically saying, you know, it's it's up to the voters in Kentucky. He, you know, he was like, well, I yeah. saw him after that, and he was he was fine. He answered questions. He seems like he's fine, but it's like, is he fine? Um, is he? That's why. That's yeah, why I think. Yeah. I think the the proof is more in the the lack of things. I mean, it's, we talk about a lot. We talk about, and I think it's a great place to end this. You know, the thing we talk a lot about with the the Fox industrial, the, the MAGA industrial complex, it's not so much what they talk about. That that's a big part of it. But I think a lot of people miss, and like in this case with McConnell's health, is what we don't talk about. Right. They, they don't talk about those things. There's a large swath of our population that is not receiving information that would that guide, to guide information, which is kind of fun about the Newsmax, OAN, Fox fight because they are kind of trying to outdo each other. But there is a um, there's a large swath of our country that doesn't see information that is necessary like that. And thus, well, that's where people like you come in. I appreciate that. The truth telling and the and the uh, and, and, and you do great work. I mean, like I said, I'm a I'm a super fan and you've been great to me when I reach out to you for help. So I really appreciate that, especially. So, yeah, yeah, I think, well, you know, me on the show. yeah, man, it's great. So tell people where they can find you because, yeah, you, you know, yeah. Um, well, I'm on pretty much every platform imaginable these days <laughs> yes, uh, you are. at AT Rupar on threads. I believe I'm Aaron dot Rupar, which is yep. kind of annoying, but AT Rupar was poached yep. somewhere along the way. Of course. Um, and then if you go to publicnotice.co, uh, that is the home of my newsletter. Um, you know, I'd love it if you signed up as a paid subscriber, but even free ones really help the cause. Um, and these days I'm running a lot of interesting freelance work from people like Liz Dye and David yeah. Lurie, Noah Berlatsky, Thor Benson, uh, Lisa Needham, who's an attorney who writes about legal stuff and is really smart. So, um, it's become more of a team thing. Love it. Um, as I've gotten more and more into it, which has been really fun to kind of work as more of like an editor publisher than a writer, yeah. but I still contribute to the newsletter too. So. That's where you can find all my work. And I uh, really appreciate you having me on the podcast. It was a really fun discussion. And Aaron Rupar show on YouTube and uh, all yes, your favorite. Aaron Rupar show as well. That, I, yeah. I, um, it's, uh, that's kind of part of my, it's, it's part of the whole complex. It's part right? of my newsletter. Yeah. It's always in the newsletter. <laughs> so I, know, I never think sense. of like plugging it separately, but Aaron yeah. Rupar show on YouTube, there please you sign up there too. That's free. So yeah. all right, do it folks. Do it. Man. man, Aaron, thanks so much. Keep up the fight, man. We appreciate you. I hope you're here. Yeah. back. Thanks, man. <laughs> man what a great conversation we covered a lot but i really want to do it there we haven't done that in a while we've had a guest we just kind of hit every darn thing going on in the world but aaron brings so much to the table as far as his knowledge i definitely want you to check out his newsletter i am a paid subscriber i recommend the same just as you should be a paid subscriber of our newsletter fpwellman.substack we'd love to have you there um you know circling back to something we did cover briefly uh during the conversation is this ohio election and i do want to kind of get how significant that was you know there have been five special elections since Dobbs was passed, uh, which was the disaster that is um, the abortion ruling. And Democrats have overperformed by an average of seven points compared to their 2022 uh, or 2020 election results, which means there is a movement. And I'll show you a chart here at the end here where a gal came out with a fascinating poll that, and you got to see this, and, and I'm going to have you look really carefully at the end there. Gallup says that it shows what's happened. And you look at that bump in 2022. So when the Dobbs decision came down, 
people had to pick a side. I think a lot of Americans had been sitting on the sidelines. It was okay to say, look, hey, look, I disagree with Roe v. Wade, but it's the law of the land, blah, blah, blah. And then when it actually not became, no longer became the law of the land, I think a lot of people have been sort of fence sitters, had to make a choice. And that's what you see. 55% of Americans now identify themselves as pro-choice. And the number of pro-life has gone down all the way down to 39. That's significant, folks. And that tells you, and I've read some great newsletters on Substack uh, from some smart people saying, hey, this is the issue. That's what Janet Pertisewitz ran in Wisconsin on. That's what this issue number one was really about. They tried to frame it as something else, but it really was about access to abortion. Here in Missouri, the Republican Party is fighting tooth and nail to keep an abortion referendum off the ballot. Uh, they've done everything from the attorney general going way beyond his legal limits to try and say that the treasurer, the state treasurer underestimated the cost of the election and what the cost. I'm not shitting you guys. The attorney general of Missouri, Andrew Bailey, who by the way was never elected, was appointed when the other guy made the Senate. This guy actually had the the audacity to say that an, by changing by allowing abortion in the state, it would hurt the economy of Missouri in the future because they'd have less people to work. And therefore, he wanted them to bake in to the cost of a abortion amendment vote, the future cost of less Missourians because of abortion. Right. I want you to think about that for a second. What he's saying is these babies they also worship are future employees. This is the same time you got Arkansas rolling back child labor laws. I mean, this is their idea of saving the children. It's like, There's not going to be enough people for us to put into our factories. The insanity of it is mind-boggling. But that's the desperation we're up against. So I guess the lesson from all of that, you saw it win in, you saw the win in Wisconsin, you saw the win in Kentucky, you saw the win in Kansas, now Ohio. That is an issue. And, and if Democrats embrace it, Democrats embrace being the pro-choice organization, be, embrace saying that this is about women's health care and the freedom to choose in the United States. You can't have it both ways. You can't say we're a party of uh, less government and freedom and at the same time tell you, oh, no, but we're going to tell you exactly what happens between you and your doctor. It's It doesn't matter. And of course, the, we know they're not, they're immune to shame and immune to hypocrisy. But I, I know, I feel strongly about that. I want to bring that up again as we brought it up. Uh, as always, Great show this week. I really appreciate you being here. As always, if you want to check out what we're doing, uh, again, with the Ohio thing, my partner is at Blue Ohio, David Pepper, who's a former guest of the show, was a big part of fighting back on issue one. We're at Forgotten Democrats. If you check out ForgottenDemocrats.org, you can text FRED to 33777 and find out more about what I'm doing. Our goal is to help elect more Democrats to Congress by starting from the bottom up, those races that didn't get funding, those races that are ignored, 126 races that raised only an average of $71,000. Um, those are the forgotten Democrats that need your help. And our model allows that money that you give to forgotten Democrats to be broken evenly among those nominees and give them money that they need. Uh, and that's what I'm really proud to be a part of because it's not just about we're not going to run ads. We're not going to run hit pieces. The goal is to actually help Democrats. I hope you'll join. As always, we're coming to you from Half Coast Studios here in Creed Corps, Missouri. Our partners who have been great to us this whole time, uh, owned by Vi Media, V-I-E dot media. You should definitely check them out for your digital marketing needs. Find us at F.P. Wellman on Twitter, F.P. Wellman official on Instagram and threads. I'm having a great time in threads, by the way. As always, you can find the podcast on Democracy Podcast on YouTube, on Democracy Pod on Twitter. We'd love you to subscribe to all of our different channels, even our, our YouTube channel. I'm going to tell you a little secret. Okay, we're going to tell a secret. Uh, don't tell anybody I told you this. If you subscribe to On Democracy Podcast on YouTube, you get the podcast a whole day early. I know it's cool. <laughs> but like, share, Leave a good review. Leave a comment. I love reading your replies on the Myers Touch Network. Please leave more. We love hearing from you. Thanks again to our wonderful sponsors that keep this show going. I love having them and, and, and being able to provide this information to you. And again, we will see you next week. Keep up the fight.